Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Nuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today we'll talk about the Pistons' last four games. Then we'll go into the 313 All Things Pistons, where we will review the 2020 draft class and talk about Jeremy Grantolo. And then we'll go around the NBA, talk about the red-hot Utah Jazz, the ice-cold Dallas Mavericks, and is Bradley Beal wasting his prime in Washington? But to start, let's talk about the 119-104 win against the Sixers. To me, it was a huge surprise. Bryce Alex, uh, you know, just in a back-to-back, usually we've been bad and we've been losing it. So um, I was surprised, very surprised by that win. But, again, the Sixers didn't have Embiid. And to me, that was... Uh, you know, he, he made a difference the first game. And right now, I know Bryce and I had our issues with AD. You know, I, I think he's the MVP of the league. He's the best player in the league, if you ask me. And, you know, Bryce was kind of making a case for Embiid, you know, being the MVP this year. I know Alex made a case for Embiid. And he's he's, he's made a tremendous difference for this, uh, this Sixers team. But to me, the key to this game was DeLon Wright. And he played great. And I can see why Casey loves him so much. And he was raving about him. Casey was saying how he's been trying to reconnect with Delon Wright from from his time in Toronto until now. And, uh, you know, he does everything that Casey loves. He does everything that Weaver loves. So it, it makes a lot of sense to have him play a lot of minutes. And he's, he's done a fabulous job. And, of course, there was no Derrick Rose this game. You know, he was sitting out. And Wayne Ellington, Bryce, I know you're, you're you're hot and heavy on him. I, you know, on Twitter, you just, I think you want to get him traded right now if you can. <laughs> well, <laughs> but <laughs> after last night's game, it may be too late now. But yes, before last night's game, yeah, we can't we can't trade him yet. But yes, I mean so, he's right there with Allen Houston. You know, I think the top four um, stretches in Pistons history. I think he has forty eight threes one time, 
in March 19, and then he has you know I think 48 again this this January for uh, for the tie for the fourth um, the top four for the um, the most makes in one month in the Pistons history. Bryce, what was your take with the with the Sixers game? Yeah, I mean I think this was probably the best game we played this year. Um, like you said, like you touched on, DeLon Wright and Wayne Ellington were amazing in this game. They almost dropped 50 um, combined in a wire-to-wire win. I think that's what was most impressive is we we led wire-to-wire and won this one. And I think, you know, because of how some other games had gone, I'm sure Pistons fans were getting nervous that we possibly could blow another fourth-quarter lead. But we didn't. We played well. It was nice to see those guys play really well. I really like Josh Jackson whenever he gets to the rim. I have in my notes, to the rim, Josh Jackson is the best Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, And I think he's an underrated defender. Um, he he leads the league in terms of guards with block shots, and he's second on our team in block shots. He did get ejected from this game. Um, and then one other takeaway I took from and this isn't necessarily – if, if, I find it very interesting teams that double-team Blake Griffin in the post. I don't feel like he's shown the, the need to do that. So that was one thing that I kind of noticed that game. Teams could continue to double him in the post, and he's able to make plays out of that. But it was a really nice win. No Derrick Rose, so we saw a little bit of Saban Lee. And Isaiah Stewart continues to make enemies with every team in the league. So, And Dwight Howard. <laughs> Alex, what did you see that game? Uh, I saw a really good game from us. We started uh, the game really good by winning the first quarter, 34-23. So that's an 11-point lead early on. Uh, we got lucky because they did not have Embiid. Usually big guys like Embiid have a field day on the court against us. You know, they have like maybe 20-20s and stuff like that, 20 points, 20 rebounds. But this time we did not have Embiid on the court and we kind of took advantage of it. Uh, Dylan Wright played Amazing. He had a career high 28 point game. Ellington was shooting, shooting really well the ball. He was six for nine. Uh, the whole team was pretty much shooting, uh, very well. We out rebounded the 76ers, which, you know, if they, they did not have Embiid, uh, that's kind of a given. But we kind of touched about, uh, you know, this subject at the beginning of the season saying like this is going to be a key, uh, stat line for us. To, to win games, we need to rebound or out-rebound uh, the opponents or be tied with them. Um, but one other thing I've noticed, we still have many, many turnovers as a team. If we can take care of that, uh, we should be good for other games too, maybe still other games in there. Yeah, and turnover has, you know, turnovers have been an issue for us. Bryce, what do you think that is? Because to me, it's, it's uh, one is lack of focus. We can't kind of get like a a high off of any win you know you get like a win is like a high and then they just drop dead the next game and um or is it or just a sign of youth or inexperience because i can understand for example jeremy graham making turnovers where he's adjusting from one role to the other um now i would understand Derek rose making so many turnovers here and there or more experienced guys you know uh sadiq bay doesn't handle the ball so much so, like, what is it? Is it just the lack of focus? Because it seems to me see, this can tie in very well in the Cavs game because yes, yes that was exactly. it. You know, Jeremy said it. Everybody said after that game, it was just the turnovers killed us. So, what is it about this team and why is it so turnover prone? If you if you go back to the, the Timberwolf game, uh, the first game of the season yep, of Timberwolves. The first game of the year. Yep. Kellen Hayes 
Yeah, Killian Hayes, you know, he had, I think, two back-to-back turnovers. Awesome. We lose that game. Okay, he's a rookie. I get it. Then, you know, next game, we come back and we play the Cavs at home. Derrick Rose has the same type of turnovers, I think two or three, in a chance that he can win the game, you know, in the, in the crunch time. So what is it about this team that it just, it just seems to have way too many turnovers? I mean, in my opinion, Vlad, I think we have guys that are probably playing an, as an option a higher than what they should be. Does that make sense? Like, it, you know, like Jeremy Grant, we've debated, is he option one or option number two? Well, he has to be option number one. Like, as much as I go after Mason Plumley a little bit, it's not all his fault. He's kind of forced into a role where he has to make plays at times and have the ball in his hands in isolations. And that's not really where he should be. So I think we have guys in roles that they're not quite ready for. That's a step above where they really should be. In this game, Plumley has, I don't know, he had like seven or eight turnovers. He had a good stat line across the board other than that. Um, so I think that's what it is. I think guys are having to try to make plays that maybe they're not really ready for yet. Josh, Josh Jackson, the same thing. I'm very high on Josh Jackson. I think we all are. I think we like what we've seen from him. And I think his his shot will continue to come back. But everybody's playing a role just a little bit more than what they probably should be. And that puts you in positions you're not quite comfortable with. The one guy exception is, is Jeremy Grant. For Jeremy Grant doesn't turn the ball over for a number one option, a guy that's usage rate is so high and takes so many shots. So that's really encouraging with him. Yeah, and it's what I was saying. Even if you would have turned the ball over a lot, I would have been okay with that because I understand that change. You know, you're you're adapting your game from a role player where he was more of a three and D guy, or you know, like a, a stretch four at times cutter rebounder to this and i would really understand that about okay he averaged like six turnovers a game oh god like, i get it you know and um or killing hayes but to me you know even plumley I'm, I'm a big fan of his but is it is it trying too much or like what yes. is it going on that we have so many turnovers that they just kill us and because we were talking about our record right and could can he be better I think so. You know, Jeremy Grant said he's like, yeah, we've been playing better than our record. And I think that's slightly true. And I think it's turnovers that kill us. And also this this kind of like uh, win highs, you know. I don't know yes. if you guys noticed it, but we have this, um, you know, we play really well and then we play really bad. And this can tie into the next two games, the Lakers, the Warriors. And, uh, uh, you know, Alex, what was your take on the, on, the, on the game against the Cavs? Because to me it was kind of, you know, I, I just – you come – and you, you beat the, the 76ers at home, and you go and play the, the Cavs on the road, and I had the expectation that I was like, okay, maybe we can tie and, you know, we can get a winning streak going. We, we can get two in a row. And then we go there, and we just, you know, we looked like the team that record was like, you know, was it 4-4 four, four and 11 right at that point or whatever it was. So I was like, okay, that's like, that's the team that we are. You know, like, I was like, Bryce was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, and I, I've been a victim of it, and some of my teams that I've been on have been a victim where we won a huge game against a top team. You know, 76ers are maybe f- one of the favorites to go out of the East. Um, so when you get a win against them, even though if Embiid did not play, uh, you still feel good. You have, you know, that confidence and maybe too much confidence, and or maybe you relax saying, okay, we're good. Now we're going to play the Cavs, we're going to be the Cavs, but it's not like that all the time. 
and I do also believe that they came in and they got um, a little bit, not sidetracked, but uh, pushed back by the aggressiveness of Cavs. That's, yes. that's what uh, their players said or their coach said that the Cavs have the mentality to, to, to like break you down as a team. You know, you'll break down eventually and then that's when they're going to take over the game and win the game. And that's what happens, happened against uh, us. You know, Plumlee almost had a triple-double with turnovers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sexton and Drummond did their thing. Drummond had 23 and 16, I believe. That's, I think, probably what Embiid would, should have had if he played against us uh, against the 76ers. But overall, you know, again, too many turnovers. Cavs shot really well. And then Ellington, on our part, also continued to shoot really well. You see Bryce, how nice I'm being about Plumlee, Vlad? You see how nice I'm being about Plumlee? Bryce, Plum I was like, just going to say that. He, Alex has been very <laughs> subtle. He's been very subtle, you know, this, this this show so far. We're about 11 minutes in, but he's killed Plumlee from the get-go. And Beach should have had 20-20. Every big man that plays against us gets to 20-20, uh, you know. So, I, I, and now he had the triple-double turnovers. Uh, hello. I, I, I wanted to say it so bad. You have no idea how bad I wanted to bring up the possible triple-double with the turnovers. I said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I got to take a few weeks with my Plumlee hate. Because Vlad's going to get mad at me. So, I, I was going to leave it alone. So, Alex, I appreciate you for bringing it up. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. But in all honesty, I'm a big fan of Plumlee for what we're getting out of him for the salary that we're paying him. You know, he's not um, – I would recommend him to, you know, go Denver – or go to Utah and yeah, start him over Gobert. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that crazy. And I've said it in the beginning of the show. I was like, I would love to have a center like Drummond back on the team. You know, but uh, that's that's a different scenario. And then we move on to the Lakers game, a 107-92 win. And guys, what I don't understand, you know, we beat the Celtics, we beat the Suns, we beat the Miami Heat, we beat the 76ers, and we beat the Lakers. So we we only beat like contenders. We just don't mess around. That's it. Like, I, okay, I understand. No AD. And to me, AD for the Lakers, I've said it before. And I know Bryce, you kind of, uh, kind of killed me for that a little bit. But, you know, this, this Lakers team without AD, it is not a contender. It is, it is a. You're top right about four. that. Yep. It is a top four in the West, maybe. That that's just that's just what I see is because he's the defensive anchor, and especially this year when they traded or they signed offense for defense, they have even less defense than last year when Ronda was putting ball pressure. Right now they have Schroeder, who's a very offensive-minded point guard, instead of him. Now you have Margasol. Margasol is not a rim protector. He makes up for his lack of athleticism with high IQ, but again, he's not a Javale McGee. He's not going to really bother you at the rim. So when there's no AD, then LeBron becomes that rim protector. You're in trouble, you know. So this Laker team without AD, you know, they don't really impress me. But for us, what was impressive was Blake Griffin. And I personally think he had his game circled in his calendar because he showed, you know, he showed he can still hoop. Granted, I think... Casey and everybody else was a little overzealous. Like, he's back. He's healthy. The Blake Griffin of 2019. And I was like, uh, I'm not ready to say that yet. And then we saw it, you know, two days later what happened. 
because I think he can put on efforts like that. You know, he had 23 points, very efficient, 8 for 16 from the field, 5 for 10 from 3, and he was a plus 24 on the floor. Granted, he's played great. But that was just one game. And that was just Blake, you know, having just that ego of a big player that he is, of a superstar, to kind of get in there like, okay, is the Lakers, I play for the Clippers. This is a kind of game that I circled on my calendar. But overall, what did you guys think about the the Lakers game? That's what, you know, and so, again, and you talked about it at length with eight, no AD, and, and I think even Lakers fans admit that, you know, following them on Twitter, LA Hoops Pod, you know, they say without AD, they're not the championship contender. So I think they know that. So we didn't get the full strength Lakers, Lakers squad. But with that said, it was a well-played game, and it was another fourth quarter where we put a team away, which was the most impressive part. LeBron had his way in the first half. He had 20 first half points, and then he only had two in the second half. We went on a Shout 16 Shout out to Jeremy Grant for that. Yeah, right. Jeremy Grant. and he, But even Stewart on some switches and stuff, it, it was really good to see. But we went on a 16-0 run late in the fourth to pull this to pull away. I mean, it was another one of those games you're like, okay, we've played really well, but, you know, LeBron's going to take over or uh, Alex, your boy, Alex Caruso is going to hit some shots or something like that, you know. <laughs> um, you know, Alex Caruso, everybody's favorite. But we, we had a great fourth quarter where we put this game away. Ellington continued to make big shots. Um, Stewart got in people's heads again. This game was chippy. Hey, Bryce, it was I was going of- to get there. He went at LeBron and at Trez. And that but, made but, me bro, write the appreciation post. Isaiah Stewart I doesn't like, I'm all care. about it. Yeah, I mean, whether it's good or bad, every other fan base is going to think it's crazy. He has gone at the, the, the best player in the NBA right now, LeBron James, maybe the greatest player of all time. We can have that discussion some other time. One of the – Absolutely. Nothing else, one of the greatest players of all time and the back-to-back MVP, Giannis. He went at both of those dudes and he didn't care. He doesn't care. And I'm here for it. Like, and Pistons fans love him. And every game and you I, see I more that, people like, jumping he, on the bandwagon. He embodies Detroit. It, 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 embodies. It's what Detroit is all about. And I, I love it. I'm all about it. And the fact that every time he comes off the bench, the Pistons just get energy. And you see the it. energy. You feel yes. it. You it, can it's tell. Everything. You it can just, tell. He's a lot of, you know, we've been raving about a second unit having success this year. He has a lot to do with it. You know, I think because that energy, he brings up those those are the four guys. You know, it's a lot of energy, and he's fearless out there. So I think that gives, you know, a lot of courage to Sadiq Bey, too, or like Zvi, or guys like that that are kind of like, okay, cool. Like, I have Stewart here. Like, he's here. You know, he's he's going for every loose ball. You know, he's top 15. He's, top 15. he's, he's a 14th best rebounder in the league right now. He's a rookie. So you, you guys I'm, I'm both all about know this. It. You guys both know this. When you have a guy on your team like that, like the the I don't, I don't know the right word to use, but it's just tough, okay, like that. Like the, you're right, it gives you more confidence. You know that dude has your back. He's one of you. He, exactly. He's your brother, Alex. You know this, Vlad. You know this. We he's, played with guys he, like this. Yeah, he's he's the type of guy that you love to have on your team, but you hate to play against. Exactly. I feel like that's exactly. that's that's how he is. Yeah. I know Alex. You know you're more of a of a skilled skill center uh, than a power center. You know traditional. So to me, 
What's your feeling on Isaiah Stewart as far as starting or coming off the bench? Because what I really see him thrive at, get us a good big man that can play and get Isaiah Stewart in there at the right times to get the other bigs tired. And when you have the skilled big man come in, life is easy, you know. Get your Jokic in where he can score easy because Isaiah Stewart just bullied those those other centers. And, you know, he went for every rebound. He boxed him out. He got physical on every roll, on everything. He contested everything. And he gets the other guys tired. And I see him playing that type of role. If we're able to get a center that's very skilled, Isaiah Stewart to back him up, you know, get his 20, 25 minutes a game. And also, you know, just bring that second unit along with that energy. I'm just not sold on him starting long term. I, I just don't see it. I, I think he's going to develop the shot. You know, Bryce, if you remember, uh, I, I've said it from the get-go. I like the way his shot looks. His shot looks fine. And right now we yep. see him shoot threes. He, he knocked down a mid-range. That's very encouraging. In case he said after the game, you know, I think he's going to shoot threes next year. To me, he's, other than Killian Hayes, he's probably our biggest prospect right now. He's only 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the thing is with his heart and his, and his high motor, you know, that, that needs to come from inside the player. As in that you cannot really teach that. You either have a player that does that night in, night out, or, you know, does it occasionally or not at all. And I feel like Stewart has that capability to do that every game. And that, that can be huge. Like you said, you can come, you can bring him in and then get, uh, in, you know, Jokic's, Jokic's head or something, or, you know, get him t- tired or whatever, do this, uh, have this role for the team. That's very beneficial. Um, and just the extra stuff that he brings, the energy that he brings, it, that's huge. You need a guy like that. I had a guy like that in, in, at Northwestern. Uh, you know, he did not have a huge part offensively, but he did all the dirty work and we love him for that. Yeah. I mean, he's that Dennis Rodman type role, right? And, yeah. uh, I know Bryce, you're a big fan of Stewart, so you know what, what do you see? You no, know, what do you see him develop as? That, I think that, that's to me this role that he has right now is perfect for him. But if he de- if he develops a jump shot, if he develops you know that three point shot, can you see him as a starter in the league, or did he just play too hard to play you know 35 minutes a game? To me, that's just it. He, I think he just plays too hard to play 35, 40 minutes in the league. No, you're you're you bring up a lot of good points. I don't know that. I'm fine if you say he's a career backup and that you just have to pair him with the right other five man. But you're right. You you probably need to bring in a skill. It depends on what he de- – if he really develops that jump shot or not. That's what it comes down to. Like if he really develops the jump shot, to me it's like a Thomas Bryant. We've talked about him from Washington. You know, I know he blew out his knee now. But Thomas Bryant developed that jump shot. And I think Stewart's a better rebounder and stuff like that. But if he can develop a true jump shot – and his skill and his pick and roll game and stuff like that, then I think you're looking at a true starting five man. But to me, if his floor, I still say his floor, his floor, and this is what excites me, excites me, is a 10 and 10 guy that comes off the bench and gives you 25 minutes and gets in the, like that may be the best thing he does is he pisses off everybody else he plays against and gets them frustrated. You can see it happen, them getting frustrated. And they have to, you guys brought up the best point. Even, what if he just wears out Jokic? You know, just wears him out, gets him tired. So then the other five men exactly. can come and in you and bring take, in like and a Mark Gasol type guy. It's like, okay, perfect. Yeah, and go get some you know, buckets. But... <laughs> All right, so I think we're just going to skip the, the Stewart segment, you know, on the three-on-three because uh, yeah. <laughs> we just gave him all the props right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as, as we got used to it, um, 
the next game we just come. Do we have to? Uh, I don't. Uh, we do we have to talk about the Warriors too because I don't. Th- this game, you know, absolutely terrible game on our side and uh, not even. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's just you know. I'll just read Casey's quote right here because I think it says a lot about it. It's no excuse in this league. Once you do make an excuse, teams will embarrass you, and that's what happened tonight. If you don't bring the right mental approach, no matter what happened in the last game, good or bad, teams will take advantage of it. And that's exactly what Golden State did to us tonight. And that's it. That, that That's just the story of the game to me. Yep. And, but to me, this quote right here, it works for us after almost every win. Sure. You, you're seeing a that's trend the, is what you're saying. You're seeing a trend. That's it. Like that's what that's what like the, the win high. You know, like we just get high off a win. I was like, oh yes, we got a win. Great. Boom. Just terrible. Next game is no, like you, you expect it. It's it's very telling. So I had not seen that quote, but the quote I saw, he said, the first couple plays of the game, I knew something wasn't right. So that tells me, as a coach, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, it happens at, at no matter what level you're at. I'm at the high school level, and we have a pretty good squad. Like we have a really good squad actually, but I can tell you when we walk in the, the room or the locker room or whatever, I can tell you by their body language. They don't have to say a word. I can tell you by their body language, whether we're going to have a good practice, a good game, whether they're focused or not. And I saw a lot of people blaming Dwayne Qua- Casey for this loss. And my argument would be as a coach, sometimes you're helpless. Sometimes there isn't anything you can say or do. You can know it's going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And to me, it sounds like that's what last night was. Yeah, and Alex, what did you think about Blake Griffin? Because I won't touch on this because I know the Lakers game, it was, oh, Blake, great, play great. You know, Casey even said it. Um, I mentioned it earlier that he's back to the healthy Blake, which to me was just a bluff uh, to, to maybe get a team to bite and uh, pull a trade for him. I don't see that happening. And, you know, we saw Blake. We saw Blake that we kind of got used to it. And, uh, um, you know, he can't put two very good games in a row anymore. It's unfortunate. It's all physical. It's, you know, he's, he's a fabulous player. He just – he's not there anymore. What was your take on, on Blake's, you know, game, you know, against the Warriors and our game in general? Um, what, I, what I see of Griffin and what uh, Coach Casey also said, against the Lakers, he had fresh legs. That was the – Griffin with fresh body, fresh legs, ready to go. Like you said, maybe he circled this game in the calendar. He took some games off or whatever, extra recovery, and he was ready to go. And then the next game against the Golden State, maybe he was not that fresh anymore. You know, he he, he did not play. He could not play. Uh, he was basically not present. He had five points, three rebounds, one for eight. Uh, I mean, I feel like he hurt the team more than, than helped. That's for sure. Uh, offensively and defensively. And, you know, it's, it's, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to just rest him for the games you know or you're trying to win? And then, you know, what, what's, what's the deal with Griffin? If he cannot play when he's tired, only when he's rested. Well, I think it's a matter of respect. I think at the age, he can't come off the bench. I know Bryce, you mentioned that. Um, it's just a matter of respect what he's done for the franchise. You know, he's played on a tournament in the playoffs. And you cannot just put him on the bench right now. Um, it's, it's not his fault. It's really not his fault. He's had two surgeries back to back. And maybe we just play him every other game. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out the best plan I, going forward. That, but also, Bryce, I know you mentioned it. So 
we you come off a good game, and then I know you have it in your notes and you talked about it. Just what we ran in the first quarter. What did you think about that? No, it, it's just frustrating. And maybe this can lead us into our next, next segment now is I just don't like that we run stuff through him. And like you said, it's not his fault, but he's not that guy. He's not the number one option on this team. Whatever people want to think about Jeremy Grant, is he a true number one? Is he not? Whatever. Why are we running the offense through Blake Griffin? He's a complimentary piece at this point. And I think what you just brought up, like just playing him every other game, I kind of like that idea. I know it's hard to get chemistry that way and develop that, but we're not developing that right now anyway because people are always in and out say, of We're not developing and, chemistry. Yeah, the rotations are always different every night as it is. But at least then Grant can start at the four one night, inserts Bay into the starting lineup, Sekou can get some more minutes. and then I'm, But even when he does play, it was the worst offensive quarter we've seen this year. And the offense just looked awful. And it's because everything goes through him. And when it goes through him, everything is slowed and bogged down. And Ellington ended his streak of hot shooting. I'm not saying it's going to keep going that way. He had shot it unreal. And, and he just didn't have it that in this game. But... If, if Jeremy Grant's our number one guy, then we need to start treating him like our number one guy. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. But at the same time, since we lost Hayes, do you think that kind of just uh, – that changed things a little bit? Because if, if we go back to this rebuilding process to Weaver, he even said at some point that he was willing to trade to get into the top four to draft Hayes. You know, and this is going to bring us up to the three-one-three all things Pistons. You know, this draft class it was built around Hayes. You know, so is this team was this team prepared to lose Hayes? You know, because we trusted him a lot in those those first games that he played. You know, he's playing a lot of pick and roll. They're kind of trying to get him into it. So maybe right now we're just kind of threading water. Whereas, okay, Jeremy has you know he Jeremy games. Um, you know, he almost got his all-star status. And then the rest were kind of just trying to figure it out. Because, like I said before, you know, Weaver did say that he wanted to even trade in top four to get Hayes. That's his guy. He's been watching him since he was 16. And, you know, I think he believes that this is the future of the franchise. So I think our offense, it is the way it is right now because we also lost Hayes. I think he would have had the ball more and more in his hand to play pick and roll, to create off the pick and roll for himself and for others. I agree. I agree with you, Vlad. One of the things I was thinking about when Hayes went down was, uh, especially in the starting lineup, who's who's going to make plays? Who's going to be the guy that's going to create uh, open shots or whatever, create something for other guys? Um, You know, Jeremy Grant, when he attacks the basket, well, sometimes he passes, but most of the time he just attacks and goes to the hoop. Uh, and I feel like that's what other players are trying to do too. You're, we just talked about Plumlee get, uh, having eight turnovers. Maybe he's trying to create, but that's not his forte. Uh, and then, you know, having players do that gets them out of the comfort zone and they make mistakes and therefore there are, we have turnovers and then points of turnovers and stuff like that. And, you know, that was one of the biggest questions for me. Like, who's going to make plays create for others? Yeah, and that was Hayes. No, that was his job. Exactly right. he's, he's, yeah. he's known. Yeah. That's his forte. You know, he, he plays pick and roll. Exactly. He, he's not an ISO player because, you know, some fans were like, well, he's – no, he's not an ISO player. 
He's very left-handed oriented, but he plays pick and roll very, very well. And I've said it before, in those few games that I've seen him play, he makes the passes, this back pass off the pick and roll. He's a really good passer. For a guy like Ellington, exactly. He has the height and he can make all types of passes. He's he's skilled enough to make him and he sees the floor very well. So to me, I think the offense, yes, it is at, at kind of like a breaking point where it's like, okay, what are we doing half of the time? Um, you know, I know Bryce mentioned the Plumlee isolations and, you know, Blake Griffin post-ups and all this stuff. But I think it is because we kind of lost our, you know, our, our compass. It's... They we, we don't have Hayes a playmaker to, play to create, which was exactly which was Hayes. So what do you do yes. at this point when that's your future? You know, it is the future of the franchise. And we yeah. said this, uh, the same thing about Derrick Rose. He's in attack mode all the time. So Hayes was supposed to be the one that just plays pick and roll and gets everybody involved. Yeah, that and that you guys are exactly right. You hit it on the head. Is we don't have a guy that's just going to go get somebody else a bucket. We have a bunch of guys that are just going to get them get their own. Grant's, you know, for the, I think his isolation pick and roll game is better than what we thought, but he's usually shooting it, as you say, Alex. And Derrick Rose is the same way. I mean, whenever he drives, he's driving to score. So Hayes is that guy. Hopefully he's going to be that guy. And it looks like he could be that guy again for us this year. You know, the reports are that surgery looks like it's not going to be the, the path they take. And hopefully he will be back playing. And I think it's still four to six, probably six weeks still from now, but maybe sometime in the second half. So I think, you know, if you look at this draft class as a whole, I think it's still to be determined with him um, in, in terms of the draft class that Troy Weaver, you know, got this year. But I think you look at these other guys and Sadiq Bay that you've talked about, Vlad, you know, is this guy, what do you, what do you guys think? I think he's an NBA starting wing for us. Eventually his minutes and his time has come and gone the last few games but that's what I see from him. We touched on Stewart earlier. Um, so really Sadiq Bay and Saban Lee are the other two guys. I think Saban Lee is a future second unit point guard as he develops his game. So, But what about Sadiq Bay? I, I think he's a guy that can be a huge get for us as well. Alex, what do you think about him? I'll let you go first here. I, I, I think he, you're right, Bryce. I think he can be a steal for us. He, he can be the guy that can bring a lot of value to us. Um, he struggled at the beginning of the season shooting the ball, but now as he gained more confidence and more experience, you can see he's knocking down shots and making plays and, you know, scoring the ball a lot more, which you, you want to see that. Um, but so far, you know, he's, I, I, I don't feel like he's making a great impact on, on, on the game for us, but in the future, I feel like he's going to develop in a really nice player. I'm just going to double down on what I said in the preseason. Here's the next Chris Middleton. Hmm. Now, the only thing I have uh, that's a, a bit different is just he's not very athletic. So, I'm not sure he can be a three-level scorer, scorer. I can see him being more of a two-level scorer. Really, you know, finishing around the rim, I think he's going to get very crafty. He has to get very crafty because sure. that's one thing yep. he's mi- missing is the, uh, is the athletic side of it. You know, he's a great defender. He shoots the ball very well. He's not afraid to take big shots. He's taking big shots for us too, even in overtime a few games. And you know, I can see him develop that, that, that Chris Middleton path, you know, when he plays that mid-range, you know, three points mid-range. But I'm 
the only question I have right now is just, is he athletic enough to be a three-level scorer or is he going to be a two-level scorer, which, of course, makes him a second, third option because in the offense. He's, re- he's really, really struggled so far in his career to finish at the rim. Like, that's been a knock on him from day one, watching him as well as he uh, shot it in his defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, that, that may be – like you said, if he doesn't figure out the craftiness of it or ways to score over around guys – he may end up just being a two-level scorer, like you say, which can still be an NBA starter, you know, can still be a, a starting wing for us that's a very, you know, formidable player. No, but, well, yeah, ex- yes, what you said is right. But I cannot say he's Chris Middleton if he's not a three-level scorer. That was the only sure. thing. My issue was, you know, I want to compare with Chris Mid- Middleton and I want him to I, – I can see him develop that way. But if you're a two-level scorer, then you can't really be a second option. I, I just don't Definitely. think so. I, I don't see that Absolutely. happening on a team that's really that that wants to be good. You know, I think, and that's 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 our goal is to build back up to hopefully be a contender at some point. Uh, I'm not sure next two three years, but down the road. And then we touched on Stewart. I know Bryce. I don't know if you got to talk much about it. Do you do you, do you want to say something else about Stewart? Because I think we covered about everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we, we got him. And and I just – it's exciting. And I think Piston fans are excited about him. So, I don't think you can talk about him too much. Um, but I, it'll, I think the thing with him is that he is he going to develop that jump shot or not? Because if he develops and it can turn into a space the floor, knock down threes if you leave him open, man, that guy's going to be a huge get for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you. I love him. You know, I, I really love Hayes Bay and Stewart. And I think Lee, um, the jury's out, Lee. I think he can be a solid backup. Uh, he's a very solid defender. He's a willing passer. He's very athletic. But I think time will tell on him. He's another and guy now, that has to develop to, a jump shot. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's very true. To, to become a solid backup, he will need a jump shot. But he's a very willing passer and he's a very aggressive defender. And I really like that. And he's very, very athletic. So he could run a second unit at a fast pace, you know, him and Stewart, for example, you know, play a little faster pace, uh, you know, put one, two shooters around him, and that can change the game for us down down the down the line. But now let's go to uh, the second thing on the three-on-three three around the Pistons. So it's the grand number one option. Uh, now, uh, Bryce, I'm going to go straight to you with this one because I know you brought it up, so I want to see what you have to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I continue to watch games and I get frustrated. And somebody came back at me and said, well, he takes 18 shots a game. And I said, that's fine. Maybe he's getting enough shots. What I'm saying is I don't think we treat him like a number one option. I don't think the coaches treat him like a number one option in terms of running sets for him, getting involved early in games. He didn't take a shot in the first four minutes last night. Now, a couple of those, he could have taken shots and he passed them down. So in some ways, I think he's still trying to act as a number one option. But I don't think his teammates always treat him as a number one option either. Like if it's between passing to this guy or this guy, you pass the ball to Jeremy Grant, you know? And then the NBA doesn't treat him like a number one option. We talked about this. I know, Vlad, you're upset about this. On NBA.com, if you click on the article about the All-Star game and who they think may make it, he's not even mentioned. to be found. He's not even mentioned. It, I, I'm not saying a starter. I'm not saying a reserve. He's not even mentioned in other possible guys in the game. He's top 20 in the league in scoring. I don't care how many games we have or haven't won. You're not even going to mention Jeremy Grant as possibly making the All-Star game. 
I'm not asking for him to be a starter. They didn't. I'm not even asking him to definitely be an all-star, but you're not even going to mention him? Like, that's ultimate disrespect to me. And so I don't think anybody in the league is treating him as a number one option. And to me, that's frustrating. Yeah, and here it comes back to Casey, though, because I was thinking about his Toronto Raptors teams, and I couldn't think that he had a number one option. Like, it wasn't very clear that it was DeRozan. Was DeRozan was Lowry. If you go back to his Toronto teams that were pretty successful, I just don't think the way Casey builds a team, he really has that, you know, the number one option, you know, like the KD. Okay, who's number one? Okay, D. You know, when, when Kawhi came to Toronto, he was a little bit really like Nabra option, but, you know, Casey wasn't there. So, that's where I'm – maybe just the, the Casey mentality, the way he wants to play, you know, as a team overall, and he doesn't want to just give these guys, you know – because he, he takes enough shots, but I think what you're saying is he doesn't take enough shots as far as, like, maybe isolations, maybe just, okay, clear out, like, let him go to work. Type, type stuff that you expect from a number one, right? Yeah, and I guess my argument or my counter to that would be that's fine if we had the Kyle Lowry to the DeMar DeRozan. We don't have that in my opinion. It's Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant should get every shot at the end of a quarter. Jeremy Grant should get every shot at the end of the game. And Jeremy Grant should have, if we want to run a set to start games, which I'm fine with if that's how we want to start games, then the first three sets should be to Jeremy Grant. That's just my opinion. He's far and away our most lethal offensive option, in my opinion. And so, and we don't have an option number two that I really trust. So I just think that we should, I think we should be forcing the ball to him. And yeah, whether it's isolation, um, coming off a down screen, a pin down, a staggered, whatever it is, I just want to see that more. And I want to see his teammates seeking him out, you know, making sure the ball is in his hands late in the shot clock end of games, etc. Well, Bryce mentioned the number one option and um, a team that has a number one option, but I don't feel like it's as clear cut as you would define it. Maybe just the way he plays too. It's Donovan Mitchell with the Jazz. And uh, with this, with this, we're going to move around the NBA and we're going to talk about Utah Jazz. And uh, a very intriguing team. Um, I wasn't high on them. But there's a few things that I think that lately have shown that this season are very important. Having continuity, they're almost the same team as last year. And rim protection. You know, I think Shaq was out of line what, what he did to Gobert. He's the best rim protector in the league. He's unbelievable. I mean, he he, he, he just changes the whole game. You, Utah, you know, they're number three in points allowed in the league. And this is a team that has they're the 30th team in the league in steals. They're hard. Like, they're not aggressive. They don't play in the passing lane. So, protecting the paint is what they do. And Gobert, he's that guy. You know, we saw it live when, he, when, when they played against us. You know, he changes the game. It's, like, almost impossible to drive against the Jazz. And what? And offensively, they just they make a lot of threes. You know, they're number two in three-pointers made. They're number two in three-point percentage. And uh, another thing that, that – that's why I kind of went to make this transition to Jazz is because, okay, they have Donovan Mitchell, who's like a number one option, and he does a lot of stuff that I think, Bryce, you would want um, – you'd want Jeremy Grant involved in, but also great second unit in Utah, which is kind of what we're building right here in Detroit. 
So that's why I wanted to make this transition. I feel like it was just uh, a good time to do it. But are they the dark horse contender? What do you guys think? Bryce, I'm going to go straight to you. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think they're a good squad. You look at that roster and I think they, they have a good roster. The guy I really like as I look through this team is Jordan Clarkson. He's having the best year of his career. And I really think he's a guy that that's going to be in the sixth man of the year running. So I really like that. They make threes. Um, I, I, I'm i an analytics guy. I love the three-point shot. And so, I, you know, I always kind of cheer for the team that, that's bought all into that. But I think you make a great point with their defense. I, I love the way you broke that down, Vlad, because to me, I love to hear whenever teams have a plan and a strategy. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. It's that they have one and then they go all in on it. So if that's their strategy defensively is we're not going to force turnovers, we're not going to play in passing lanes, but you're going to meet Gobert at the rim and you're probably going to lose at that. That's I, I like to hear that that a team and has you a strategy in, you like that. Shots, you know, yeah, exactly. You can you can test shots. You pack it in. You know, you can switch a lot of things because they have very similar uh, position. You know, when you play Bogdanovich and Ingles together or yes, Russell O'Neal, yes. these are guys that can really you know change the game. Mike Conley is uh, one of my favorite point guys in the last ten years. I think he does a lot. He's very underrated, and uh, I know maybe in the preseason somebody mentioned maybe it was you actually. Uh, somebody mentioned trading for Mike Conley, and I was like, I'm all about it. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I remember going to happen. Yeah, I remember talking <laughs> about it. No, not now. Definitely not now. Yeah. But, Alex, you as a big fellow, you know, what do you think about Shaq's comments about Gobert, you know, being overpaid? And what do you think about the importance of Rudy Gobert to this Utah Jazz team? He is huge. And literally and figuratively, figuratively, oh my gosh, I can talk in any way you want. He is huge for this Utah Jazz team. Like you said, having him in the paint is just unbelievable in defense. Uh, you don't need to block every shot, but just enough to contest and maybe change the, 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 the guy's shot or, you know, make a tough layup or stuff like that. You know, you're, you're going to make him miss and then another guy is going to come and clean the board, rebound and then go on a fast break, whatever. And having a guy, a presence like that in the paint, only when you see him, his arms are long. He's tall too. You know, he, he offers, uh, security for all the players in the back to, you know, maybe you're not going to steal or go in the passing lanes, but you're going to play maybe more aggressive on the ball. Knowing that if if the guy beats you, you have Rudy Gobert behind you who's going to protect the rim for you. So just, you know, Shaq, he made that comment and I'm against it. <laughs> and I'm so happy Rudy Gobert got paid because he deserves it. Absolutely. And this is a team that um, you, can, you can see, it. you know, they respect their own. Every time Utah Jazz gets a guy like that, like Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, they you know, they pay him right away. They never hesitated. You know, just in the history of it, they had it. They had it with Gordon Hayward. You know, they had it before with Stockton Malone. They always kind of take care of their own. Uh, or, you know, once they step up the plate and, and play well for them. And now, Bryce, I want to go to the Mavs. Uh, I'm just going to go straight to you. I'm not even going to talk right here because this is a top three <laughs> team for you in the West. And they are horrible rebounding, Bryce. They're 2016 rebounding. I knew there was... I knew there was a reason that you wanted to talk about this so bad. And I know why it is. It's because I had him in the top well, three. Well, you're MVPs on that team too, Bryce. Huh? Oh, you're MVPs on that team too. And because I had Luka Doncic as my MVP. I know. So I, now I know why. Now I know why. It's because you wanted to call me out. Because, <laughs> no, Bryce. But, but honestly, hey, we made it, this, this is a we, team that's. 
This is a team that's underachieving, Bryce. They're the 26th in rebounding. Absolutely. Uh, they're 25th in defensive rebounding. Um, you know, they're 20th in steals. So they're not aggressive. They don't rebound the ball. And then offensively, they're 28th in points scored, 28th in three pointers made, and 23rd in field goal percentage. I yeah. had a feeling that losing Seth Curry was huge for this team. And I that, think that it's trade that. was awful. That trade was so – and so that's that's the transition, right? We talked about the Jazz who have won 11 straight, the best three-point shooting team in the league. And now we go to the Mavs who, what, have lost five in a row, eight out of ten, and they're pretty much the worst three-point shooting team in the league. And, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I didn't understand the Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade in the summer. I thought it kind of was under the radar. Nobody – I didn't see people really talk about it. But it doesn't make sense to me. Why Seth Curry is an unbelievable shooter. I mean, unreal. And so I I don't, I don't, I still don't understand that trade. I still look at this roster and kind of like it when you just look at the names, but it's obviously not fitting well together. Luca's about to start taking a lot of hate. Like he's got a lot of love so far, but he's going to get into that empty stats conversation if he doesn't start winning. And so I don't know. Like you said, they're just not very good in a lot of categories. I really see this whole Luka conversation going the same way it was with Dirk. You know, he was playing very well and the Mavs are not good enough. And eventually he he'll, he's going to win a ring. And uh, it, it could go that way too because I don't see the Mavs turning around this year. And um, Bryce, you had an interesting trade. We're going to go to Bradley Beal right now. Um, the last thing yeah. on the list about the, the round the NBA. He needs to get out of there. But Bryce, you had the Mavs trading Porzingis for him. I, so yeah, that I mean, was very I just, interesting. I just I just threw some stuff together. Like I just I picked out a handful of teams who I thought Bradley Beal could make sense for, and then I just tried to make the money work. So I didn't have draft picks. I didn't have anything like that. I just you know I tried to be realistic and and make and then on ESPN you can make the money work. And so I think I had Porzingis, Finney Smith, and Jalen Brunson. But I mean. Luca and Bradley Bill together, like, are, would you not like to see that possibly? And so to me, it makes even more sense with what we're talking about here in terms of are they going to get desperate and decide they need to make a change? I don't know that I hate that as a Mavericks fan. I don't know what else would have to go into that. I don't know if that's enough for him, if it's too much. But if I could trade trade out Chris Porzingis for Bradley Bill, depending on what else I had to throw into it, I think if I'm Dallas, I would do that. Great, Alex. What do you think? Where, where, where? I'm not even sure where, but just what do you think about Bradley Beal? Just I feel like he's wasting his prime in in Washington. Yeah, he's definitely wasting. Uh, he's he's an unbelievable player, and in the last couple of years, he proved that he can be, you know, a guy that or I I mean, every guy wants to win a championship, but he him right now needs to be on a team that is content contending for a championship because. He does not have many years on the, on, you know, at this high level. I don't think so. And he needs to be with a player like, uh, you know, with another superstar on the team. Obviously he has Westbrook, but Westbrook is not playing that well anymore. Not yeah. Anymore, Westbrook yeah. is going down fast. I don't yes. know why. I don't know what is in his head. Maybe everything got boring for him. Um, but yeah. And then the, the, the trade to Mavs, you know, Mavs need, I don't. I don't know. I had high expectations of Porzingis. I thought the duo of uh, Luca and Porzingis are going to be 
you know, they're going to run the league or something like that. But something's not clicking over there. Something's not clicking the whole team as well, they lost the last five games. healthy enough, I think. That's, that's our problem with Porzingis, uh, you know, along the last year and a half. You know, he hasn't been healthy enough, I feel like, yeah, to just yeah. really, you know, to say, okay, this doesn't work. And I think that's why Dallas is kind of in the middle of nowhere right now because they have to see if this Luka Porzingis thing out. works or not. Yeah, sure. Exactly. But, yeah, Westbrook, you guys mentioned Westbrook. I mean, his value is declining fast. And his style of play does not help many teams. I was looking. I was like, okay, can you get, can you get rid of him? And I'm like, where? Like, honestly, Nobody's where? It's, yeah. like a, it's like a Blake Griffin situation. And, okay, Washington right now is paying the price for drafting terrible for some years. And that's that's a different price they're paying right now where Bradley Beal is basically there by himself. Unfortunately for him, you know, at 27 – by the way, can we – can we just work out a trade him for Griffin straight up? I mean, they, they can just tank, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> right there with the money, I think that could work for us. I'm and sure the money would work, so. <laughs> no, but uh, this Westbrook for Wall thing, I'm, I'm not sure what they expected out of it. But if, if you look at the track record, you know, Westbrook has been a, a stats guy. But once CP3 got to OKC and he did what he did, I was like, okay, that, that, that was just proof to me that Westbrook is a great individual player. He's great as a shooting guard, but as a point guard that's pulling the team after him, I just don't see it. And unfortunately right now, I think they can just blow it up because and that, and, it's, it's and over. Sh- this experiment is why, over. Yeah, And that's why Bill should force his way out at this point. And I wouldn't even blame him because they're going to have to go into a rebuild. Um I think they thought that maybe they could get Westbrook in and make a run in the East, and it just doesn't look like it. Thomas Bryant, like we said earlier, tore an ACL. So I really think I like some of these ideas. You know, the Heat are struggling, the Mavs are struggling, the Hawks are kind of right in the middle. Do they flip some of those young guys for for somebody a big superstar like Bill? And then I think the more fun ones to play around with. I bet you hate this one is the Bucks, but you have to give up Middleton. Or but what about the Nuggets? The Nuggets have all these intriguing prospects as well. You know, those teams aren't necessarily struggling, but do you go get a guy like Bill and push you over the top for a championship? Or or do people think Bradley Bill is that player that puts you over the top? I think he's he's you know, if he goes to many teams, it's gonna be the number one option. Uh number one, number two option. You know, if you go to Atlanta again, it's just a matter of fit too. Because um, you know, you go to Atlanta, you know, Young runs the offense. It's very obvious. It's so it will be difficult. I think you know, you go to the Bucks. I think I can see that happening. You know, I can see that working out very well for him, for Bradley Beal and the Bucks. Okay, so but would you what? So this is interesting. Do you think he would be an upgrade over Middleton? If Middleton, I think you pretty much have to involve yes. Middleton yes. in that trade. Yes. So that. So yes. if you're the Bucks, would you do that? Like I know you love Middleton, you're a big fan. So let's say it's Middleton, and you have to attach Divincenzo or somebody, maybe a pick. I don't know what all would have to happen. Would Would you make that trade Bryce, if you're the Bucks? What did I say when I said about the Bucks? Giannis has the first option. He's not winning a championship. Bradley Beal comes in. He can win a championship with Bradley Beal along, where they're basically two number one option. I'm a big fan of Chris Middleton. He is a great number two option, but to me, well, the then playoffs, the Bucks need to be somebody, on the phone right now. Somebody hmm. call. Him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll, it, I'll, I'll, to, I'll to me, that's what it is. It's because yeah. yeah, hit him up on Twitter, Bryce. See what they have I'll to say. Hit him up on Twitter. <laughs> hey, if uh, Bryce is not here with us next week, he got a job with the Bucks. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
no, but yeah, that's uh, the, the experiment is over in Washington, and uh, they need to figure something out. And uh, well, in the meantime, John Wall is playing great for the Rockets. So that's yes, kind of he like is. A slap in the, the face the right Rock- there. <laughs> the Rockets in general are playing well without without Harden, without Russell Westbrook. Yeah, well, yeah, we can touch on that next week actually, because uh, Wall did take a jab at uh, at James Harden uh, <laughs> after their uh, their improved record. All right, now back to Pistons for the last part. You know, we got the tough Western uh, Western trip. We go to the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Suns, and the Lakers. Oh, I'm not looking forward to these ones. If you have two paybacks at the end of the week and then uh, the Nuggets and the Jazz right here, it's going to be a tough one. But, um, you know, any expectations coming in this week? I mean, they're both back-to-back. I think maybe the most exciting Bryce, thing is oh, before B- Bryce. Before you start, watch out. Be careful what you're saying with your predictions. <laughs> I will not. No, no, no. That's what Alex. I'm. <laughs> I'm not making a prediction. I promise. Um, okay. <laughs> all I was, was, <laughs> was going to say is they're both back to back. So I guess I am about to make a prediction. My guess is Griffin or Rose will set one or two games in these, and so we'll see a little bit more of the young guys. I think the game I'm most looking forward to is the Suns, um, just in terms of seeing the other teams play. Um, you know, seeing Devin Booker, seeing Chris Paul, they've struggled a little bit, maybe haven't met expectations for the year. Um, but no, you're right, Alex. I will make no predictions on how many games we will win this year or win this week. I have no idea. You never know with this team. <laughs> Alex, what's your take on this week? Uh yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough schedule, but I feel like the Suns game is up to grabs. Um, we we need a win because you know I feel like we're gonna get our ass kicked by Nuggets and Jazz, <laughs> uh, and then and then you know Suns is Suns, and then Lakers are gonna want to revenge. You know they want to pay pay us back, and then the Nets and Pacers. Yeah, it's gonna be a long week. Uh, coming up and I feel like the Suns is the game to go but I feel like we struggle against guards or guarding guards in pick and roll and you know Suns they have David Booker and I feel like he's going to have a huge game which so, will bring us another loss what what would be the game if, if they said we're going to win one of these games what, what's the one game we win is there I mean is there a team on this week where we're like okay this is one we think we can steal Sons, sons, agreed. I would say it depends. Given the season, it it, it really depends though who's playing, who's not playing. You know, sure. what if you know the Jazz are playing today is Sunday, so you know Gobert gets a minor injury, the game changes for us. So I think that's why it's very hard to predict in the NBA in general, especially this season when guys are resting. A little bit more, it seems like it. You know, any kind of just small bruise, small thing, they kind of resting the superstars. Um, so it'll be, you know, it'll be hard to say, uh, definitely not looking for the Lakers game. Uh, we all know LeBron and, uh, <laughs> he doesn't like losing, so <laughs> that's not going to sit well with him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if it's one game this week, it's going to be the Suns. All right. And that will just cap it off for, uh, today's show. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. You know, make sure you give us a shout out. Bryce is super active on Twitter, you know, just get in conversation with him, arguments, Tell him how bad he's at predictions. Make sure you do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can find uh, me and Alex on Instagram. Um, you know, um, he takes care of mo- most stuff on Instagram and he'll interact with you. And uh, you'll find me on Facebook. And uh, we try to post stuff daily. So please get in touch with us. 
were huge, uh, you know, just basketball junkies, first of all, and then Absolutely. NBA and Pistons fans. So just make sure you get in touch with us. You know, Motor City Hoops show on Instagram, Motor City Hoops uh, on Twitter, and then Motor City Hoops on Facebook too. So just uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.